Wives, addresses husbands, talks to husbands. And then we want to leave enough time at the end for some questions. And so um, that's the plan today. So we won't race through verse 7 unfairly, ladies. Uh, but we do want to leave some time at the end for some very pertinent questions so that we can get some feedback from you. So I tell you that in advance to be ready to just share what's on your heart. The questions are just kind of a starting place. I don't know if we'll get through all of them. We'd like to ask uh, the wives a few things, the husbands a few things, but either one of you can speak to or those of you who aren't married as well. As I mentioned last Sunday, this message applies to everybody because we need to be unified in our biblical understanding of what the marriage relationship is supposed to be. So whether you, you've been married, you are married, you're going to be married one day, or you're, you're very young and marriage isn't even in your radar yet, this is very, very important for all of us to understand. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3. And again, I'm going to begin at verse 1, and we'll read through verse 7. If you're there in your Bibles, and you can, please stand as we read the Word of God together. Beginning in verse 1, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if any of them are disobedient to the Word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. And let not your adornment be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Thus, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Verse 7, you husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. You may be seated. Father, we ask for your help this morning in understanding your word, that you would make it come alive in our hearts, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would have insight, we would understand the application of your word, we would understand what it means for us and the relationships that we're in, and that you would just give clarity and conviction. We pray that you would be our teacher this morning as we wade through verse 7 and consider the application of all seven verses. We pray in Jesus' name together. Amen. I'll figure it out. I can lift it myself. This is an easy one-person project. I don't need any help. I can find it just fine. I've been there before. I don't need those instructions and then a little bit of laughter there. A toddler could put this together. I'm not calling an electrician. What could be so hard about rerouting a few wires? The shared vocabulary, right, of most men and probably a majority of husbands. We somehow always know what to do without instructions, right guys? 
and have endless ability without any assistance. The Babylon Bee, if you're familiar with that, if you're not, it's a Christian satire site, has one headline accompanied by a picture of a clearly shamed man. He's got his, his hand over his face. He's embarrassed, and his wife is beside him crying. And the headline reads, Authorities arrive to confiscate husband's man card after he calls handyman to fix faucet. We get that, right, guys? But how often this, this kind of, well, let's call it what it is, prideful independence gets us in trouble? How often does it get us in a real jam? And how does it influence our contribution that's so what we want to talk about this morning, to what I'd like to call a godly marriage. Because we do have very clear instructions, very necessary instructions, instructions that never change, no matter what culture says, from our holy creator. These instructions today, as we just read them in 1 Peter, are never optional. They're never a take it or leave it. They're not a nice self-help suggestion. As introduced last Sunday, as we've been talking about these verses one through seven, I talked about the tragic wreckage of marriage in our culture today, both outside and unfortunately, surveys bear this up inside the church. So I would say to all the men in this room, but I'm speaking to everybody, obviously, most pointedly to the men, this is no time for petty pride. This is no time for disinterest. This is no time for shirking your spiritual responsibility. The world is watching your kids are watching. We were just talking about grandkids and great-grandkids. They are watching as well and beginning to formulate ideas and opinions as they observe your marriage and the way that you treat your wife. As we consider what God says most specifically in verse 7 as we home in there, remember again, as mentioned last week, I think this should be pretty obvious. This is not a natural reaction. These things don't come natural to us. As I mentioned last week, we could kind of put everything under two umbrellas as we look at verses 1 through 6 and then verse 7. Verse 1 through 6, the umbrella, umbrella of submission. And we're going to ask a few questions about that later on this morning. Verse 7, under the umbrella of sensitivity. Now, as you think about both of those, submission, as we talked about last Sunday, sensitivity, as we're going to look at this morning, neither of those come naturally to us, do they? And so what's missing here? We don't, what don't we want to be missing in our discussion of what Peter is outlining as instructions for a godly marriage? In that we cannot do this alone. So I'm talking to men here who's probably our number one weakness is always under the pride category. But we can't do this alone. It doesn't come natural to us. We need the help of the Holy Spirit of God. We need spiritual intervention. We need to know 
what his word says. And we need to do it and approach it with humility. Sometimes that's a difficult thing for men today to understand. Yes, humility. Understanding I can't do this myself. I need to listen to what God says. So let's look at three vital parts to how we interact and respond to our wives, again, under that umbrella of sensitivity. Now, I'm not talking about sensitivity as it's outlined in, in, you know, the kind of gobbledygook of psychobabble and popular self-help books. I'm talking about the sensitivity that comes from God our Father that's outlined here in Scripture. So, number one, there is a pattern. Number one, there is a pattern. And this is the same way, exactly the same way. In fact, we began last week in verse 1. We read the phrase that appears in Greek at the very beginning of the verse, in the same way you wives be submissive. Look how verse 7 begins. You husbands likewise. You husbands likewise. So those phrases, not only in the language, but intent and meaning are comparison phrases. They're, they're pulling us back. They're gathering us to a similar idea under a, a similar umbrella. And we go back, as we did last Sunday, to verse 13, as Peter is telling us to be submissive to the government. We go back to verse 18. He's talking about the relationship between slaves and masters, or, or we could kind of make some application to that today in another area of authority of employers and employees. And so there's still that, that issue there. And then we see that all of it comes back to following in the steps of Jesus Christ. So in verse 21, he becomes our supreme example of all of this. He would have never gone to the cross had he not been in a submissive place to his father, to the plan of redemption, followed it through with all of the persecution, all of the hatred, and then literally going to the suffering of dying on the cross. Did it all to submit to a plan that was in place before Genesis 1-1. So he's calling us back to that. He's saying, you husbands, likewise, you are not free spirits. You are not free to do whatever you want. Yes, in a practical sense you are. You can walk out this door right now. You can, you can turn your back on the things that you've previously valued and walk away from them. Certainly, you have free will in that sense. But as a man under the Lord Jesus Christ, as a man filled with God's Spirit, you are a man primarily, he is reminding you, under authority. You are a man under authority. And sometimes I think that we forget that. We are spiritually dependent. Yes, as I mentioned a few moments ago, we do have very specific instructions. I hate to follow instructions. These are not optional. Because we are men primarily under the authority of God's spirit, of God's word. And he has told us very specifically what that looks like, what that umbrella looks like of sensitivity in the marital relationship. 
So let's look at number two, the second part of this. <clears throat> there is a practice. So this is kind of the meat of the verse. This is, this is the flushing out of his truth on a day-to-day on a -day practical basis, and an attitude we could call it, an orientation, I'd like to say, behind closed doors and in public. So this isn't just what you put on social media. This isn't your, your description so that everybody knows this is who you are. This isn't a, a play that you act out only in public. The idea here, God, you know God doesn't agree with that. God's not fooled by that. There's a consistency here. And the words in the Greek language show and spell out and flush out this consistency. This is something that's got to be practiced when nobody else is around. This is something that also has great value when a lot of people are around. And so we need to understand that. Well, what is he talking about? He really gives us three clear charges in verse 7. That's a lot for one verse. But it's, it's packed in there, and it all makes sense, and it all flows together. So what's the first one? Understand her. Understand her. You husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way. Now, to begin with, that little word live is not the ordinary word that we would normally translate live or think of live in our English language from the original language. It actually has the idea of dwelling together, or we could translate it even coupled with. In the original Greek, it has a sense of intimacy attached to it, a, a strong sense of time and close companionship. In other words, this is a relationship. You're living a day-to-day, long-term, consistently, and this relationship is always growing closer and closer. This takes a priority commitment. You have to be together to spend time together. Time is a major component of what he's talking about here. Time. Time is an issue today, isn't it? I mean, nobody has time. I'm out of time. I'm running against time. I'm always going against the clock. In fact, what is one of the responses we hear more than anything else when we ask people how they're doing? Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. And, and there's this implied sense that I can't get done all the things that I need to do. Well, Peter is telling us here in verse 7, there's something that we need to put at the top of that list. This is something that can't be compromised. This isn't number 8. This isn't number 10, number 15, number 22 on your list. After watching the Super Bowl and all of these other things that you do, and then, well, leftovers. Don't misunderstand, because that's not at all what he's talking about. I read a survey recently, and I don't know when this survey was taken and who were the people that were surveyed. Oftentimes, we never know. But they came to the conclusion, it was done by some marriage uh, uh, counselors, and they came to the conclusion that in any given week, a husband and wife spend 37 minutes of conversation. 37 minutes in a week. 
If there's any truth to that statistic, and more importantly, any truth to that statistic in any of our homes, there's going to be some issues here in verse 7 that are going to need to change. Because when he uses the term understanding, that's an interesting term. The word literally means to know, to know. It means in a more literal sense from the original language, according to knowledge. So to live with your wife in an understanding way is to live with her in a way where you really know her and you're continuing to know her. Can you do that in 37 minutes? I don't think so. So how does that happen? How do you really get to know someone? Now, we could look at a friendship. We could, we could look at our relationship with the relatives, our relationship with our children. Peter, obviously, his, his concern right here is husbands. How do you do this? Well, I think Peter would probably suggest by listening would seem obvious. By listening, something that seems to be in our, in our culture where our attention span is going down, 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 a very difficult, challenging thing to do. By asking questions, another thing that seems to be increasingly difficult to do. How many people do you meet? And all you learn a lot about them, but they never ask you one question about yourself. So you know them, but do they know you? by probing, by, by undistracted interest in her. And when I wrote that phrase, I wanted to capitalize undistracted. Do we know what that means, guys? We have so many things, maybe more so than at any other time in history, especially technologically, that distract us today. Are you constantly thinking about something else? Even when you're talking to somebody, you're thinking about something else, or you're looking somewhere else, or you want to respond to something else. You're in a constant state of distraction. Well, I can guarantee you're not going to get to know somebody very well when you're thinking about something else. Because the typical response would be then your wife would follow up with a question based upon what she's already been talking about, and you'd say, huh? What, what did you mean by that? Were you listening to a word that I said? Did you not hear me say? And then it's very pointed, right? But the brain is somewhere else. That's not living with her in an understanding way. Taking the time, living, remember? Taking the time, making the priority, that's the living part, in an understanding way, getting knowledge about her. Getting to know her better. This will never happen in between downs. It's not going to happen when you're staring at your phone. And it's certainly not something to do when you have nothing else to do. Knowing her means that you respond to her different. You care different. You love different. Why? Because you know her. I think about, this is, this is kind of funny, and it's kind of a funny issue, 
been over the years in our own home. But how many of you are night people? Okay. Good. You should have turned around and look at how many hands went up. <laughs> you have light company in here. How many are morning people? All right, about an equal amount. So that's, that's interesting. That works well. And this was, I didn't do this ahead of time. So we've got an equal amount of morning people and an equal amount of night people. What could potentially happen? Why can't you do this this way? A lot of misunderstanding, right? But what does this say? Live with her in an understanding way. So the more we understand those kinds of differences, which there is nothing wrong with one way or the other. There's nothing wrong with being more energetic and more awake in the morning. There's nothing wrong with being more energetic, more productive, more awake in the evening. That's how God made you. But trying to conform another person to that or being insensitive to that, like I've been many times over the years, to my detriment, <laughs> rather than being understanding, understanding that this is the way God made her, this is the way God made him. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm just understanding. And then all kinds of other things will begin to make sense. Why do I just you know, can't function very well late at night, like thinking through big life decisions. But I can do it better in the morning. And vice versa. So this is just one area where we have to live with our, here, wives in an understanding way. Knowing how God made them, knowing their background and, and the things that might make them uncomfortable, knowing the things that, that particularly might wear them out more than other people. It doesn't matter whether they wear you out. It doesn't matter whether they make you uncomfortable or a whole bunch of other people that you know. What matters is, do you know this about your wife? And knowing the things that are very important to her. Maybe it's just taking out the trash without being told. Oh, gosh, why? What's the big deal? It can be very important. Maybe making sure the car is maintained. That it always has a full tank of gas. Maybe that's just important. That's okay. Living with her in an understanding way, beginning to know and understand and then put into practice those things that mean a lot to her. Now, you see how this doesn't come natural. Because a lot of times there will be a reaction to that, a negative reaction to that, which only comes from a fleshful, prideful place. But remember how verse 7 begins, you husbands likewise. Jesus submitted. We're following in his footsteps. He, he is our example to follow. Put your pride aside. Learn from these things. You're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. But I want to learn from them. I don't want to make the same mistakes over and over again. 
but that will only come from understanding. The second part of this is protecting her. And remember, these are all kind of lumped together, so they flow in and out of each other. As with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman. Now, let's clarify the word weaker. What does that mean? This should be obvious, but in the, in the Greek language, we're talking about specifically in the physical realm. So this isn't a, a derogatory word, but it's a, it's a being sensitive, like understanding, understanding that, guess what, guys? She's not you. She is a weaker vessel. Now, that word vessel, again, is not derogatory, in the original Greek language, it has the idea of an intimate partner or a close companionship. See, God knew. Look at these words that he's using. There's, there's even equality in that, but he's saying, look at her physically. Don't demand of her things that are too much for her. Understand, again, the understanding part, her limits. Don't treat her like a man. Make sure you're not putting too many physical demands on her that are inappropriate. And sometimes after a while, wives maybe even give in to that too. I just go ahead and do everything. And, and even though they're worn down and they, they try to appear, you know, that I'm, I'm in there, I'm on the team. They feel somewhat abused and misunderstood. The third charge here is to honor her. And we get that almost to the end of verse 7. And this is a beautiful phrase. And grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Isn't that tremendous? Understand that in the context of Peter's original first century audience, this was an affront in Roman culture. As I read more about this, it, it was amazing that the state of marriage in Roman culture, what was accepted among the Romans, and would have been the, the voices of influence and the peer influence and everything that these scattered Christians would have heard about, <coughs> was that marriage was, was really looked down upon. It wasn't anything ever put on a pedestal. There was no intent to be friends with your spouse. Women were treated as property, as I mentioned last Sunday, primarily to make food and make babies. And if there was anything good in a relationship, well, that just happened. It was not the intent it was not the priority. So what is Peter talking about here? What, is, what radical thing happens to a Christian husband and wife? We don't, we don't see that as much today, but we need to understand it so we can celebrate this, that you and your wife are co-equal in your position and your experience of this rich life that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter says... Honor her. Honor her. 
honor her, re respect her, treat her as the most valuable treasure that God has given you. Honor. Honor is an interesting word as well. It means placing high, high value on something. Now, guys, we have things that we highly value. But our wives could probably say, he certainly honors that. It may be your gun collection. It may be your gardening tools. It may be your fishing poles. It may be the car that you drive or the four-by truck or the farm implements, whatever it is. She knows that you honor those things. Don't touch that. You know, nobody gets near these certain things and you constantly, you know, you're cleaning them and looking at them and you've got that starry look in your eyes. God says, that's what she's supposed to be. Honor her. How do we honor her? Treat her with tenderness. Treat her with a little chivalry. Can I say that? Treat her like a lady. Is that okay, ladies? Do we even know what that is anymore? Yes. And then we get this stupid thing where guys, one time, they hold a door open for a woman, and she goes, uh -huh. you don't need to do that for me, and they just go, I'm done with that. Never do it again. Why not? Keep doing it. But mainly, not for strangers, for your co-heir in Christ. Treat her like a lady. Honor her. Show her that she's important. Open the door for her. The car door, too. And yes, treat her like a lady with great respect at home when you're alone where nobody else can hear you, you think, but also in public. Don't ever put her down in public. And guys, when you're out with your buddies, don't ever talk derogatory about your wives. Build them up. Tell your friends how much you enjoy being with them. In fact, if they really get out of line, say, you know what? I'd rather go home and spend time with my wife than you clowns. Show her you honor her, that you value her above anything else. Or, guess what? There's one last phrase in this verse. We kind of like to end there, right? End of lesson. Oh, wait. It says there is a price. So if you want to ignore all this and say, I don't need the instructions. I can figure this out myself. Fine, but there's a price to be paid so that your prayers may not be hindered. This is bold and tough, but remember, Peter knows who he's talking to. He's talking to men who far too often lean on their own pride. And Peter is saying, in essence, ignore all this stuff I've been telling you to your spiritual detriment. In other words, the sobering reality of how this verse ends means you're not going to grow or mature in Christ if you neglect all of this. If you are living with your wife in a misunderstanding way, in a dishonoring way, 
God is going to turn a deaf ear to your prayers. Now, that's not my opinion. That's what the verse says, right? In other words, there's a spiritual cost for just getting through your marriage however you want to get through it and just saying, I don't want to do any of this stuff. That's stupid. Then there's a cost. And don't wonder when you suffer spiritually and you feel like God is somewhat distant from you. It directly affects your spiritual life. So live with her, understand her, honor her. These are, these are timeless, non-negotiable instructions from a loving God. Now, how do we personally apply some of these things? So I don't know how much time we'll take doing this. It might depend on your response. But we've got some questions uh, Jeffrey's going to put up on the screen. So number one is just a general question. And so maybe we don't want to get too deep into this. But how does popular culture, the media, what's talked about and acceptable among our peers, even Christian peers, because we hear all the same garbage in the church, unfortunately, how does that all influence our attitude toward marriage? Anybody? I guess we could take a survey here. Yes. Okay. Okay. Right. Very good. Right. So it's kind of throwaway, right? It's not, not that important. Don't take it too seriously. Absolutely. Anybody else? Want to respond to this question? Yes. Okay. Okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What did you say? Say it a little louder. What I said was, what I said was, I believe that that if we follow the popular example that we're talking about here, that it sets too low a baseline for children to come back at them when they when they find out the truth. Yeah. Okay. Right. Makes the struggle that much harder. Because, because we're not doing any of this. We're not teaching this. We're not living this. Okay, yes. Well, for me, I, I know that the worldly view of marriage is much different than mine, so it makes me very leery to watch any movies or to be very, very careful what I listen to on the radio, but my antenna's always up with the guard. So that's self-protection. Okay, good. Good. But so. all I'm weak as a person, and I can get right. So be aware, be discerning, be on guard. Let's go to the next question. And this will, this will begin with wives. So a very important question and, and one that I heard a few comments about afterwards. Well, how do, we, how do we make this happen? What does it look like? What does true Christ-honoring submission look like in a marriage? So I'm asking the wives. Husbands, you don't need to speak to this issue uh, right now because the original instructions were, were made to the wives. Now, we'll, I'll flip on that for a moment when we ask the husbands a question here in a moment. But, so, wives, what does it look like? Now, I said Christ-honoring. Don't leave that out. Not just submission, demanded submission. You submit to me or else. Not, we're not talking about that. What's it look like? Okay. 
Okay. Say yes. Respect for your husband. Pardon? Respect. Okay, respect your husband. Okay. Very good. <laughs> okay, there's back here. Yes. Choosing to speak well of um, our husbands publicly and uh, to our friends, but also privately at home to our children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Okay, yeah, very, very good. Okay, anybody else? All right, well, you know that that's the application, and that's one of the reasons that I didn't make really specific applications last Sunday, because you don't want to just harp on one and say, oh, well, the pastor said that, you know, because there's multiple applications that this can mean in your particular marriage and at home, and we're at different levels in this in our understanding. But I think the most important thing is to understand what submission is not and, and what our culture, our culture will make fun of you. If you were to go tell a bunch of non-Christian friends, yeah, I'm working on submitting to my husband, I think the next thing you would hear would be, not be words, but a lot of laughter. So we need to know what this looks like and what it means at home. Let's go to the next question. How do you balance honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life and be submissive? So how do you, how do you balance those two things? Because one, one seems to, to sense that you're in a position where your husband is the head of the household, and then this other part to the husbands puts you in a co-equal position as well. How are those balanced out spiritually? Anybody? Tough question. Having mutual respect for each other. Okay. Being a partnership in a marriage. Um, but like it was said, when those big decisions you kind of balk at that your husband makes and go, hmm, is that really what we should do? I think we need to kind of go with their decisions because they tend to think things through a little bit better than on the occasion. Okay. So Okay. We need to be sensitive to each other. Okay. Good. Can, can men say anything to this one or is it still? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> we'll just ignore it. <laughs> I, I think, I think a, a big piece of this is, is understanding the, the, fo- the real focus there on, on what is my role in this marriage, what is my role in this household, and executing that role well. And whether you're the man or the woman, not to focus on placement, superiority versus inferiority, which is a lot of where the, the bad places that this, you know, uh, misinterpretations of this theology have gone over the years. But it, it, as the uh, uh, verse 7 makes very clear, 
it isn't about superiority or inferiority, right? It is about God has ordained roles in the household. He's ordained roles in marriage, and it's about seeking to execute those roles well. Um, and I think, you know, as a as a man, when you think about that, part of that part of that honoring as a fellow heir is like you you also need to work to put yourself in a position where you are worthy of respect, where you can be respected and, and, and you know, what have you by your where she can trust your judgment. Um, and those are things that are, that's, a, that's part of that role, right, that you're, that you're called into, that you have to execute. So again, I think it's a lot of it's about, a lot of it's about perspective, and the perspective is very balanced in scripture. It's not necessarily so balanced oftentimes in, in the way that it's taught. Okay, good, good, yes. talking about the relationship of Christ to the Father, and you take the themes that we see there and pull them into these snippets from verse 7 and verse 1, we understand that Christ the Son and God the Father are equally God, yet one of them chose to submit to the leadership of the other. And I think I'm not saying us humans are God. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we are equal in our relationship to God. And we choose to be submissive to each other out of choice because of the picture that we see between Christ and the Father. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, it's a, a correlation of the concepts that we see between the members of the Godhead and the members of a marriage. That's where I, I I don't think it's a balancing issue. It's a both and. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Yes. Well, in the same kind of along the same thought, the Christ is the, the groom and the church is the bride, and that's supposed to be the picture of marriage. And in the same way, we submit to Christ as a church. It's how a wife is supposed to submit to her husband. And yet, at the same time, he doesn't lord it. He doesn't force us to do anything. It also calls us, you are my brothers, and you are my friends. So there's, in in a way, an equality there, but but the the relationship is a two-way relationship. Right. Exactly, and it's, a, it's really laid out in Scripture in a beautiful way. I mean, Ephesians chapter 5, you know, where you've got far more instructions to the husband and just a little bit of instruction to the wives. It's on a, almost a reversal. Um, it's just laid out beautifully. Yes? Yeah, very good. Good insight. Let's go to the next question. What is a gentle and quiet spirit, and how does this contrast with what our culture is encouraging today? Yes. A gentle and a quiet spirit 
says, I am woman, let me roar. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, assertive, dominant, bold. Yeah, and obviously there's a place for that. So we don't want to just say, you know, that doesn't have its place, but it's, it's obviously limited and clearly needs to be in a godly context. Mike? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Well, let's move on to the, I think the next ones are the husband questions, but there's one for the wives here too. So men, why is understanding so important? So it's a really basic question. Probably could have made that more specific. Did a, did a light bulb go on when we went through First Peter verse 7 here at all? Yet? Oh. I th- <laughs> yes? <laughs> We're just balancing out your response a little bit. Here. Yes. Cry more easily, or maybe 
So um, and of course feminism all messes all this up in your brain because it likes you to think that you can do anything a man can do. But we are weaker that way. And I think a lot of times it's hard for a man to it's it's easier for him to help you with a physical thing than emotionally and mentally. Maybe they, that's where the men don't want to go sometimes. It's like that's too Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Very good. All right. Let's look at the next question. And this is to women, but it's about men. So you gave, you answered that. And any other ideas there, ladies? Yes. Okay. All right. Oh, let's, let's go to the next one. Men, we are told to honor her in no uncertain terms, yet we fall into dishonoring far too often. How and how can we really change that attitude? How, how did, what do you think of when you think of dishonoring a wife? I think we uh, talked about that a little bit, like putting her down, putting her down among friends, um, that kind of a thing, maybe berating her. Uh, making her feel, you know, like she has no value. Um, any other comments? Yes. I think steamrolling decision making as a couple. Just, I'm going to project my decision and force it upon the family and you. And I think that that's, that's a tendency that a, I don't know, an alpha male will want to yet the better path is engagement and collaboration building toward a combined decision that can be undertaken as a couple moving forward. Okay. I think, you know, my military background says lead, 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 lead. <laughs> that's not necessarily a winning approach in a marriage. Mm -hmm. Lead with gentleness, collaboration, team building, engagement, Right. And, and that all goes back to that understanding, yeah. which, you know, we, 
I need to listen to our wives. Yeah, that's good. Not bad, Mom. Hey, Mark, I took the garbage out this morning. <laughs> I, I, think, I think both of those things tie in nicely with, with the understanding piece, right? I mean, honor, your point is, is part of honoring, not the whole thing, but part of it, is, is understanding her, is getting to know her, is um, you know, honoring I, I, is, is who she is and the role and the plan that God has for her life. It's not to say just understanding of um, or accommodating a stereotype of what you know a woman should be or whatever the case may be, but, but the particular woman that God has, has placed in your life, right? And and getting to know her and listening to her uh, and to, to Eric's point, I think tailoring that that leadership to her and the way that that works that's that's a huge part of, of honor. How do you how do you show honor to someone if you're not even willing to, to understand them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. I have something to say. I've heard several women that their husbands never compliment them. It breaks their heart. I mean, they get dressed, they put their makeup on, their hair is nice, and the man just, or their husband, just doesn't compliment them. Now, maybe they say, think, oh, she looks nice, but he doesn't care to tell her that. Mm-hmm. It means a lot to a woman. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's, that's good. That's you hear that, guys? Mm-hmm. Okay. Speak of the unspoken. She can't read your mind. Well, maybe she can sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but in that case, no. She needs to know how you feel about her. She needs to know the things that you like, the things that you notice, and you need to notice, too. So stop looking at your phone and... Turn off the TV and notice some things. Yes. My husband used to say to me, I am the president of your fan club. Now I don't know what fan club, but it's <laughs> the sweetest. Oh, that's so sweet. That's really sweet. Yeah, that's good. Very good. All right, you can use that one later. <laughs> she won't know where it came from. 
<laughs> All right, we have one final question, and I know our, our time is way past, and so this is just kind of a reflective question. As we observe the wreckage of failed and dysfunctional marriage all around us, how can we show the world something drastically different? And I think you've expressed that this morning by being drastically different because we are people that are under authority. We are under God's authority. We are filled with his Holy Spirit. We need to tune out to the, what the world is saying about marriage. And I don't know if you've noticed but the world is saying more and more disgusting, filthy things about marriage. I mean, where people are just pursuing relationships in a variety of bizarre and weird ways, and we have an opportunity, probably like never before, to say, this is what God says, this is what a godly marriage looks like, all in the growing phrase, phase, yes. But let's take this seriously. And guys, verse 7, um, Let's, let's really take this seriously. This is an important godly responsibility. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for the many, many wise words that have been shared, both by husbands and wives. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be more sensitive to these things. Um, as I speak to husbands this morning, Lord God, that we would just walk away with not shrugging this off, not saying, yeah, I've heard all this before, but taking seriously the role that you have given us that's non-negotiable. Help us to honor you through our marriage relationship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.